on Denver Sports Tonight. Taking a look at the biggest stories in Denver sports. From your online home for the best opinions and information on the Broncos, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, and more. DenverSports.com. And it is Denver Sports Tonight on this Tuesday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. Second day of legal tampering as NFL free agency officially opens tomorrow. But as we tried to tell you for weeks, for all intents and purposes, it opened up yesterday morning. Quieter day for the Broncos today, James, to be expected after they spend $220 million. But two notable moves, one addition, one departure. Where would you like to start? Uh, let's start with the addition. I think that is I probably like a good idea. A game show. Yeah. I like this. Let's go with the addition. No, I, I think that's a good place to start because it's who's coming to town, not who is departing. And, James, this was a name that wasn't really on my radar, I'll admit. I think with running backs, I had sort of thought big name because I just thought they may go that direction with the health of Javante Williams sort of uncertain despite George Payton saying at the NFL Combine that they expect him back uh, ready to go for week one. But, James, they bring in Samaje Pirine from the Cincinnati Bengals, two years worth a little less than $8 million bucks. Obviously been primarily a backup to Joe Mixon. Scored six touchdowns last year, though, two on the ground, four through the air. And I want to hear your thoughts on this, but the point I want to make off the top, which I think is important, Samaje Pirine has played in seven playoff games in the last two seasons. That is some significant experience for a roster that may not have guys who have played in seven playoff games in their careers combined. Yeah, I think it's important to have people on the roster who know what it takes to win, right? And, and to some extent, if you've never been a part of a, a winning team in the NFL, it's not your fault you don't know. I mean, you, you've never experienced it. You've never seen it. So you need some guys that can lead by example and can show the way and can set the standard. And they've obviously had a lot of success in Cincinnati, particularly the last couple of years. So um, went to a Super Bowl two years ago. If not for some questionable calls, would have gone again this year. I like this move for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I think that as a bridge until Javante Williams comes back. And look, we hope he's back week one. Do we think that's likely? No, he got hurt week four last year. He tore three different ligaments in his knees and his knee. I think it's going to take a while. Um, so it could be October. It could be you know November. Who knows? And I think during that time, um, P. Ryan is a guy who could be your starter. He started some games in Cincinnati um, early in his career. He started eight in Washington. So I think he can he can fill that role. But then when Javante Williams comes back and he's healthy, I think it's a good one-two punch. You saw it in Cincinnati with Mixon, and P. Ryan was more of the third down back. And you know I think he could be that here. But um, he's a good complementary back with a with a power runner like Javante Williams. So I think this one makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think it's you know, you didn't have to break the bank. You're not spending a ton of money on somebody who, you know, may start for a month, may start for a couple of months. If he has to be the guy the whole year, if it's worst-case scenario for Javante Williams, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I still think they draft a running back, but this is a good bridge option to be your probable week one starter. Yeah, I'm with you on everything you said. I love the experience. I love the ability to catch the ball, sort of a dual threat, his um, willingness to accept a role, I think, in Cincinnati that, you know, he understood he wasn't the top dog there. That was Joe Mixon. But 
Listen, James, Samaj P. Ryan scored touchdowns in each of the last two AFC championships. He scored one in the one they won to go to the Super Bowl. He scored one this past year in the one, like you said, there was some creativity from the officials that they lost. I retweeted the one he scored in, um, I guess that would be the 2022 AFC title game, or maybe 21, I don't know. It was played in January of 22, so like 14 months ago. And it was a 41-yard dump and run from Joe Burrow. They were down 20-3, to and he took something out of nothing and turned that whole game around, and since he went on to win that game. That is the sort of dynamic skill set Samaj P. Ryan will bring, bring to the Broncos, and I would be intrigued, not that I want this, but I would be intrigued to see him as a featured back and just sort of see what he can do in that role, considering he was stuck behind Mix in the last four years. Again, I'm I'm rooting for Javante to be out there week one, but if he's not, we may discover Samaj P. Ryan is even better than anyone realized. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. If he's the week one starter and we find out during training camp and preseason that, you know, they're targeting, you know, week four, so it'd be a full year for Javante. I don't think anybody would hit the panic button. No. And they had to go with P. Ryan for three or four weeks and, and that that was going to be their direction. I think he could certainly do that. And he touches the football more than this name I'm going to bring up. But his clutch play in the playoffs reminds me of former Bronco Howard Griffith. Right? He had a, the big one-handed touchdown catch in the AFC title game in Pittsburgh. He had a big play. It was the, the dump-off to him. Uh, I think it was to him when Eddie McCaffrey had the block against the Packers in the Super Bowl where he pointed at the linebacker that he put on his backside. He had two touchdowns in the Super Bowl win over Atlanta. Similar kind of uh, thing where, hey, maybe he's not the star. Maybe he's not the one getting the attention. But at the big moments, he uh, he always came up big. He came up clutch. Similar uh, uh, with P. Ryan in terms of what he's done in AFC title games and in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Obviously a guy with a couple of Super Bowl rings and – Beloved by Broncos fans. Doesn't get the headlines that obviously Elway and Sharp and Davis and Smith and McCaffrey and Steve Atwater and Mobley, the list goes on, gets. But a, a key piece on a, a, on a couple championship teams. With this news, do you think the door is shut on Latavius Murray? I got that question today a couple times on social media. I'll give you my answer first. And it was, it depends on how the draft shakes out because Latavius Murray is the kind of guy who could sit there until after the draft. He could be a free agent come May, June. There is second-tier free agents in the NFL. It's not like other sports where everything gets done in a day. Guys will go unsigned for months and months and months. Really, all that matters is you're on a roster before training camp. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Uh, Yeah, I I would agree with you. I think if they use one of those third-round picks on a running back, I think that it lessens the odds. I still don't think the door is closed, though, because – Nobody has any idea what Javante Williams is going to be when he comes back. That's just the reality of it. So could you see it be Latavius and and P. Ryan as your two veterans that that are kind of, um, you know, maybe Latavius is the first and second down back and P. Ryan winds up being the third down back or who who knows how it works out with the rookie behind him until Javante is ready to go? I could see that. I mean, look how many guys played that position for him a year ago. It was a bit of a revolving door when you start talking about Latavius and Marlon Mack and Mike Boone and um, Chase, Chase Edmonds, Edmonds and yeah. Javante and Melvin Gordon. I mean, gosh, they had six, seven, eight running backs that that, that got carries, Will. So uh, I, I do think he could still be a part of the mix. I do. All right. Well, that'd be interesting, especially given his Sean Payton connections and 
the the history between those two down in New Orleans, I wouldn't rule it out at all because we've seen Sean Payton, whether it be hiring coaches um, or whatnot, that there is going to be a, a New Orleans sort of, not favoritism, that's the wrong word, but it, it's just something to monitor. Although I guess in free agency we didn't really see that yesterday. Going through the... The signings in my head, unless I'm having a brain dead moment, James, was there an obvious New Orleans connection with any of those? Uh, Man Hurts, I believe. Did he have a cup That's of coffee right. with the Saints? He did. He did. But yeah, he's gone so on to play a lot of football since then. It's not like, you know, he Sean discovered him, he got his chance with Sean, and then he flamed out of the league. He's he's earned being in the league for quite some time after he departed New Orleans. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, it's interesting if you just look at him. Pete Ryan actually has a very similar stature to Javante Williams. Javante Williams is 5'10", 220. Okay. P. Ryan is 5'10". Guess, take a guess what he checks in at weight-wise. 5'10", 220 for Javante. Uh, 5'10", 205. 5'10", 240. Whoa, he's a truck. <laughs> yeah, talk about a bowling ball. Man, that's C.J. Anderson 2.0. <laughs> and he has kind of been their their third down back. But Because I was going to say, I'm like, well, maybe you bring back Latavius Murray, who's 6'3", 230. I mean, he is a load. He is a big dude. Of maybe he's a little bit more of your big back and your short yardage back because that's just not the role I I remember P Ryan having in Cincinnati. But man, at five ten two forty, that's like uh, that's like an old school fullback back there. Yeah, it really is. Okay, well, it looks like a type of power game is the the type that the Broncos may look to run. Now, again, that doesn't rule out them drafting a speedster in the third round, as as you and I have discussed at length, but. Based on the additions on the offensive line, the body type of the running backs they will employ, this is probably a good thing for Broncos fans. And and honestly, it's a good thing for Russell Wilson, too, that rather than let Russ cook, we are absolutely flipping the script back to what worked in Seattle, and that's be a running team that lets Russ take appropriate shots down the field when necessary. Obviously, the let Russ cook thing blew up in the Broncos' face last year, so the type of football that we can tell here on March 14th that Sean wants to play, Sean Payton I'm talking about, that will ultimately be a good thing, of course, for the fans, but maybe first and foremost for Russell Wilson. No, I definitely think it will be. I think, you know, we we started to see it in a big way yesterday. We saw it more today with the personality, the identity of this offense starting to emerge, and it is definitely, hey, we are going to play power football. We are going to run it at you. We're going to make you stop it. And then we have a a quarterback who is a great deep ball thrower, and we're going to take our shots because you're going to have to bring eight guys into the box to try and slow down this running game, and that's going to give us single coverage on somebody out there, right? Or it's going to bring a safety down into the box, and Greg Dulcich is going to run right past them up the seam and and be open. It It plays to what Russell Wilson does best he is not a drop back stand in the pocket go through your progressions hit your third or fourth option kind of guy he's just not no um part of that is height part of that is just the you know how he's played for 10 years but we saw this past season he is not that kind of player but if it's play action he goes back there he finds which guy's got the uh the man coverage and then he takes his shot i think he can be very very effective and i think it's a team they can generate a lot more big plays, the types of plays we saw in the season finale, the roll left and throw it down the field to Jerry Judy. That's Russell Wilson, and that's the kind of stuff we're going to see. So I actually think it'll probably end up with better numbers in terms of yardage and certainly touchdowns and probably less interceptions. 
he's not going to have as many attempts, and that's just fine. Yeah, I, I, I think I think Russell Wilson doing the opposite of cooking and letting the Broncos cook makes a lot of sense, and it's why Pete Carroll and him had resistance with each other in Seattle for so many years because Russ wanted to cook. There's a reason the divorce almost happened three, four, five years ago because Russell Wilson felt like maybe he was something he's not based on those couple big plays a game, and he thought he was uh, a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or whoever, and he's just not. That's not his game. And Pete Carroll, ugh, can't believe I'm saying this, James, but I give him credit for being stubborn year after year after year until it finally reached a breaking point because that Seattle team would not have been as successful and had the run they had to a couple of Super Bowls in the playoffs seemingly every year if Pete Carroll had given in to Russ and let him have his way. No doubt. And and look, they've got two really good receivers up in Seattle now and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But if you think back to Russell Wilson's most successful years up there. I mean, when we saw him beat the Broncos in person in a Super Bowl, yep. you know, he was throwing to, <clears throat> to guys like Doug Baldwin, you know, good players. I don't think it would be fair to call them pedestrian receivers, but it, when they were at their best, they never had, you know, guys that were top 10 receivers. And, and they were ne- they never had guys who were just putting up huge fantasy numbers. It was, you know, run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, and then take your shots, and Doug Baldwin, uh, you know, in single coverage or when there's only three DBs back there because eight guys are in the box, he can be more effective. Um, it, part of the reason that Geno Smith had so much success this year is because Kenneth Walker III was an unbelievable rookie running back. He just was. Yeah, and they had a, he was very good this year. They, yeah, they had a, a very effective run game. People had to try and stop that first and foremost – Okay, then Gino can drop back there, have some time, and pick you apart. That's the formula. That's the formula Pete Carroll used with Russ. It's what he used with Gino. Um, and I think it's what Sean Payton is going to do with Russell Wilson here. I think it's smart. I think it's going to be successful. Um, and, and I love the fact that this team is getting back to, hey, you may beat us, but at the end of the day, you're going to know that you earned that victory because you're going to have to stop a running game that's coming at you 30, 35 times a game. I love that brand of football. I really do. Yeah, it's a tenacity and effort and nastiness that we really haven't seen since the Super Bowl 50 defense. Um, And and I guess a year or two after before it was ultimately dissolved and all those guys uh, either retired or left town or were traded or whatever happened to them. All right, the, the player that the Broncos lost today, James, on the surface, he's not a starter, right? It's a swing tackle in Calvin Anderson. You've got your left tackle. You've got your right tackle. But, James, for an offensive line that's already thin, I would have liked to see potentially Calvin Anderson come back next year and instead he goes to the Patriots on a two-year deal. Again, it's not a screaming headline, oh, my gosh, the Broncos lost Calvin Anderson. But it is a sneaky one today that that could ultimately hurt them, particularly if if they have any injuries on the two tackle spots on that O-line. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds that Bowles and McGlinchey each play 17 games? Not high. Yeah, so you, you need some depth. I still think it, it, Cam Fleming, I don't believe he's signed anywhere. It wouldn't shock me if, if he came back and kind of played that swing tackle role. I, I think Calvin Anderson was a guy, athletic guy. Part of the issue was probably that he was bouncing back and forth and he never really got a chance to be um, kind of the, the guy at one spot and really learn that position. I thought coming out of camp last year, it, it, he had a chance of being uh, the starter at right tackle with, with Billy Turner banged up and 
just couldn't he just didn't perform very, very well i mean he like i say an athletic guy looks like he should be able to play tackle and has the feet and can move and can get out there and, and not allow guys around the edge but um it just didn't it just didn't pan out for whatever reason um but that that could also be on butch berry james because it could be. did you yeah. see who calvin anderson said thank you to today in his goodbye tweet right he he specifically went out of his way to thank mike munchak and not Butch Berry, uh, I believe he also put, uh, who did he put in there too? He put George Payton. Here's the line. I'm forever grateful to George Payton, Mike Munchak, and so many others. I will always be proud of my time as a Bronco. So actually a really nice, classy yeah. goodbye from Calvin Anderson. The message not surprising at all. He is a he was a really good dude. Yeah. Uh, one of the best interviews when you would grab, you know, you grab guys and bring them over to the tent during training camp. He was on the Stokely and Zach this past year. And it was awesome. I mean, he just a really, really good guy. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he had a classy tweet like that on his uh, his way out of Denver. Um, and you're right. Maybe that regression was on, on Butch Berry. Um, you know, I, I look at Calvin Anderson. I look at Natain Moody. I look at some young players here that we thought, hey, they're going to be starters in this town for a while. And they didn't perform up to expectations. And, you know, Moody left it prior to last year. A- Anderson this time. You do wonder if, hey, hiring the wrong guy for that position and going from Mike Munchak to, to Butch Berry, how much that set the, set back the development of some of the younger project-type offensive linemen. Oh, yeah, Butch, Butch Berry, a disastrous hire by all accounts. No one, uh, multiple guys did not like him. I, I, I wanted to say no one liked him. I don't know that for a fact. I do know for a fact that multiple guys did not like him. Uh, good luck. To the Miami Dolphins uh, hiring Butch Berry. Mike McDaniel's done a lot of good things down there. That hire makes absolutely no sense. Here's Calvin Anderson's goodbye message, James. Full full version. So Broncos country, thank you so much for embracing me. I've always been counted out, but you gave me a chance to flourish and develop myself as a player. And then he goes on to thank Peyton and Munchak, which I already read. Contrast that to Draymond Jones's goodbye message, which was, I'm a MF Hawk. Let's go. MF, uh, you can translate yourself. That's yeah. what it means. Two different styles on the way out of town. And not shocked at all. Who who did version A and who did version B? No, and I do think there's been a bit of a purge of bad apples. And I'm not saying any of these guys are bad guys. I'm not. But this is a franchise that has had six consecutive losing seasons, seven non-playoff seasons, a lot of the veteran guys have been a part of a lot of those losing years, right? And you talked about at the beginning that uh, they're bringing in a guy in P. Ryan who's been a part of winning programs and knows what it takes to win. They're also getting rid of guys that have been a part of a losing program who, to some extent, it, it, not even with their play, but with attitudes and distractions, have been a part of the problem. Certainly Draymond Jones in the second half of last year he his his play tail, uh, tailed off and it tailed off dramatically after they traded Bradley Chubb and he didn't get paid so you can connect those dots and make whatever um you know sort of uh connection you want to there uh, i think if you look at the two guys who were in the uh, shoving match uh, on, on the sideline against the rams Dalton Reiser Brett Rippon they're both gone yep I think Cortland Sutton is being shopped for a reason. He's a guy that's out there throwing tantrums on the field. When Russ doesn't throw the ball to him, he's getting into fights with Emmanuel Sanders during training camp. He's sending out cryptic tweets like, you better be pretty darn good if you're going to be that much of a handful. Um, And you just you start to see a pattern here 
of guys that uh, look. Are they getting the the blame for the losing? Are they the scapegoats? Maybe, maybe a little bit. But you know what? I think that's a message that needs to be sent, and you need to bring in guys who have different priorities. Look, I don't begrudge somebody from wanting to get paid. I, I don't. Like you're putting your body on the line. It's a short career. Go get whatever you can get. However, I do have a problem, and I have this is was my issue with Russ this past year when things like being a celebrity, getting paid, you know, partying, whatever the case may be, when those become priorities ahead of football, that becomes an issue. And I do think uh, that that was part of the issue with Draymond Jones. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Sean Payton is purging this roster of guys that he knows doesn't feel like they're are, are in the boat and rowing the same direction. And he could be taking that advice from George Payton because George Payton would know it a lot better than Sean Payton would of, hey, who are some of the guys in this locker room who we maybe don't want in this locker room anymore? And that's where, you know, I was on the, hey, they should have fired George Payton the day they fired Nathaniel Hackett train. But maybe that's where I need to take a step back and say, hey, even if George Payton's not the long-term answer in Denver, it does make sense to sort of keep him around and show Sean Payton the ropes. No one likes to train their replacement at a job, but if George Payton's doing that right now, maybe he's doing a good enough job that uh, Broncos country can be thankful for him, even if his time in Denver isn't as long as uh, certainly George would like it to be. Well, yeah, he's good for some intel. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Like, if you fired Payton, who was going to tell Sean Payton that Draymond Jones and Cortland Sutton were problems? You know? Look, it's actually probably a smart approach by Sean Payton. For that reason alone, and I think that's a, a savvy uh, kind of Machiavellian move on your part there, Scrappy Will. Thank you. I, I, I like that. And you you never know. Maybe George Payton, um, you know, works his way back into this job, and Sean Payton realizes, hey, I, I like this guy. We work well together. You know, we put together what we wanted to do in free agency. He's able to go close deals and bring in the guys I wanted. We'll see how the draft goes. When you have limited picks, you better hit on the vast majority of them. Uh, but, yeah, I think short-term it was wise, and there's nothing that says it won't be a little bit more long-term. But I do think I do think George Payton is going to have to earn that. He's, he's, I think he's, do, he's doing an on-the-job audition here. Oh, he absolutely is. There's no question about that. Uh, some guys are on Cecil Lammy included, and I'd have to follow up with Cecil. But he said a month ago or so that he thought George would just be around through the draft and then be uh, then be asked to leave in May. So we'll we'll see how that all uh, shakes out. James, Zach, uh, Allen News broke last night when we were on the air at like 6.52. So we had like three minutes to talk about it. I do want to get your thoughts on him um, because both J.J. Watt and Justin Simmons sent out really nice congratulatory messages. J.J. Watt, active tweeter, he sent out one message, one, about free agency, and that was for Zach Allen. He said, I love this for my guy, he works his tail off, studies his tail off, cares immensely. I can't wait to see what this next chapter holds. This is well-deserved. Then one of those tough guy emoji faces. Um, <laughs> it does seem like that when J.J. Watt's praising you, you're doing something right. I'm getting more and more excited about Zach Allen as time goes on. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that's a, a ringing endorsement. Um, you're too old to know this reference, but when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When J.J. Mm. Watt talks, people listen. And I do think you should put put some stock in that. And, you know, he's a good player. He's put up good numbers. Um, he's familiar with DJ, but I don't know that that's that great of a thing because they had a bad defense in Arizona last year. Uh, so I was, you know, I was 
on board with the move from the standpoint of, hey, they replaced Draymond. They didn't spend their money on Ben Powers and Jarrett Stidham and not have money to shore up the defensive line. Uh, so that, from just sort of the philosophical part of it, I was uh, I was on board. And then you do get more excited when you hear things and read things like that. I don't think J.J. Watt says that about a guy he doesn't think can play. No, like I said, J.J. Watt, there was 100 deals done yesterday, James, and this was the only one J.J. Watt went out of his way to comment on. Yeah, that's so. telling. It really is. So, um, look, I don't know if you're a Broncos fan. And I was uh, – yesterday, I was, I was before that news broke – it was, all right, I like the fact that they're spending money. That is super encouraging. I don't know if I would have spent it where they're spending it, but, hey, time will tell. Well, they just keep spending. Yeah. I mean, they're starting to run out of spots where you're like, okay, well, what's the glaring hole that they need to try and patch here? You know, some cornerback depth is, is maybe something you could look at. Um, you know, I, I would have gone a different middle linebacker, but they re-signed Alex Singleton. It's uh, it's been a pretty exciting couple of days in Broncos country. It, listen, I'm not sure if it'll translate into wins, but you can't play, blame Greg Penner and Sean Payton and George Payton for not trying. They're trying and then some. Justin Simmons said, Eagles reunited. Congrats, bro. More than deserving of this. Let's go win. Three exclamation points. Uh, people might not know this, James. Justin Simmons and Zach Allen overlapped for one yeah. year at Boston College back in 2015. Very cool. The old college connections. Those uh, those t- those things uh, run deep. So, uh, you know, it's two guys who unfortunately haven't won a lot in, in, in the pros or, you know, certainly won big in college. So hopefully they can uh, they can write that uh, write that wrong this year and get some winning done here. But. Uh, but, yeah, anytime you see guys saying those kind of things about someone, you know that, hey, they're at the very least, they're going to be a good teammate. Coming up next, the Nuggets are an absolute disaster in Toronto right now. We will fill you in on what's going on there. Plus, he's back. Mace! Our guy, Andrew Mason, will join the show. Denver Sports Tonight on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Look who it is, our guy Andrew Mason, back in the saddle. Mace, we've done the show a couple times with you out of town, but it's so good to see your face. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be back here. And like you were mentioning uh, off air, we're doing this and the sun's still out. How amazing is that, So much nicer. I did this show the last six weeks in the dark. It wears on you a little bit. And then you come in today, yesterday, and it's like, ah, I'm going to be driving home when it's light out. This is great. What do they call it? Seasonal affective disorder, I believe. It sounds serious. Something like that. Yeah, I think that's very real. The the dark and the cold and, hey, it's been a good snowy winter in Colorado, but it's been a chilly winter. Yeah, we haven't had those 60-degree days that we're so used to. We have one today. We're going to have one tomorrow. Well, it's been March. I would hope yeah. by now we, you know, yeah. I'll take a foot of snow. Just be sixty degrees the next day. My my side street had snow on it for seven weeks. It was so nice to not have to wear a heavy jacket when I walked out of the airport this afternoon too. Like, there you go. Ah, well, fresh off the good. plane, and you yep. come to see us. So I'm excited to get your thoughts on free agency. I did promise a Nuggets update. They are losing seventy two fifty four with thirty seven seconds to go in the first half. They gave up forty nine points in the first quarter. An absolute disaster. We'll keep you posted as the show goes on. But we got too much Broncos news going on right now to bemoan the Nuggets. Although Jamal Murray, real quick, is a minus 22 tonight. Yeah. Plus minus. Something's going on with that knee. He's not right. He's He's not not right. right. He's not right. I would shut him down for a couple weeks and see if you can uh, regroup him before the postseason. All right. Let's go big picture because I know folks are dying to hear your thoughts. I am as well. 
the last, let's call it, 30 hours, 32 hours for the Denver Broncos, spent almost $230 million, uh, almost uh, $135 million guaranteed. What are you liking? What are you not liking from this spending spree to start free agency? The best move was Ben Powers, in my opinion, in terms of the contract value, in terms of the quality of the player He's on the ascendancy. He had a terrific season last year. There's probably another level that he can get to, although he's already an extremely proficient pass protector. I would not be surprised to see Ben Powers be a pro bowler within the next couple of years here in Denver. Wow. Played every snap for the Ravens last year, correct? Yes. Yes. And really, when you look at him, when you look at offensive linemen, there's a story like, why were they? Why are they a free agent? Why didn't the team re-sign them? In the case of Mike McGlinchey, the Niners have faith in their developmental plan, and McGlinchey is not in pass protection who they'd like him to be. Orlando Franklin kind of got into it uh, yesterday. He tends to, uh, to to play a little bit too high, and mm. of course, you know, low man wins, right? Right. So we're gonna I'm gonna post something about that on DenverSports.com tonight about what Orlando said because Orlando, of course, coached Mike McGlinchey, but you had you were gonna have to do an overpay at right tackle. That's just if you wanted to get one of those guys that could potentially stop the revolving door, you had to do an overpay. Mike McGlinch, he's an overpay, but you hope that you can put him in there, get him going, take him to another level in pass protection that he hasn't reached so far in his career. In general, I, but in general, I look at the moves O line, blocking tight end, running back today with Samaji Pirine. Yep. And on the offensive side, it's pretty clear that there's going to be a commitment to some back-to-basics power football here. They're almost taking the let-Russ-Cook power out of his hands, going back to what worked for him in Seattle and what he and Pete Carroll ultimately butted heads over for years and years up there. I mean, basically, so Russ is no longer the chef. Is he the sous chef or is he a line cook at this point? Yeah, man. Russ might be the cocktail waiter, you know, asking you if you want another shrimp. <laughs> the Mater D. That's the word I was looking for. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, it, it's abundantly clear that what Russ did last year did not work, and so Sean Payton's going to get him back to his roots, so to speak, mm-hmm. and what made him a Pro Bowler nine times in ten years in the NFL, what led him to Super Bowls, what had him competing for the NFC West every year, and not whatever that dumpster fire was that we saw last year. Yeah, uh, the thing is, though, if he is playing that style of football, that is a style that is a style that's going to expose him to potential physical harm. And as he's thirty four, going on thirty five, that means and that that brings you to another signee, and that's Jared Stidham. That means you need to upgrade the back of quarterback. But do you think that was an upgrade? Yes. Look, with all respect to Brett Rippon, and when you say "when all due respect," that yeah, you're means, about to disrespect someone. Yeah. He's a bottom five number two quarterback, and the the so that the makes him like the sixtieth best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, you can do better. Jared Stidham is probably somewhere in the forties, and he's probably a mid tier backup quarterback. Okay, so at the very least, you upgrade the position. I will say this: the contract for Jared Stidham, two years, ten million, five million per year. Interesting that someone like Sam Darnold actually got less than that. Mm. One year, four and a half million dollars. 
And that tells me that Jared Stidham was clearly targeted, mm. that they could have gone with somebody like a Baker Mayfield, like a like a like um, Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yep. Jameis Winston going back to New Orleans. Basically, it's there's no it's he could go be a backup anywhere. He just wants to stay with the Saints and stay where he is, you know. Doesn't want to go chasing the waterfalls, I guess. He'll stick to the rivers and lakes that he's used to. There you go. But clearly they like something Jared Stidham, and I think the person that really likes something Jared Stidham is Davis Webb, who goes back with Jared Stidham a few years, and I think that recommendation played heavily into Sean Payne's decision. And, and for those who may not be familiar, Davis Webb is the new QB coach mm-hmm. who just got out of the NFL this year, but he and Stidham were what, high school buddies? Yeah. Okay. They've known each other since high school. Interesting. In terms of Stidham, did one game get him that overpay? Maybe a baby overpay, but an overpay because of how well he played against the Niners this year and that that sort of classic game between the Raiders and the Niners late in the season? It's the Matt Flynn corollary, right? It might be, right? Even though the next week for Jared Stidham wasn't so good. I mean, do you remember the film uh, Draft Day? What happened? You know what happened next? Well, yeah. what happened next for Jared Stidham was he got six sacked six times by Kansas City, and they got destroyed. And that may be reason to have a little bit of alarm because a lot of quarterbacks can do well their first time out with a team. What happens the second time when that opponent has had a chance to digest some film and prepare? So San Francisco had, I think, 13 passes worth of film on Jarrett Stidham as a Raider. Stidham caught them off guard that day. Stidham's numbers that day, 23 of 34, 365 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw two picks, uh, QBR of 77.9, a rating of 108.1. And, man, you know what he did? He found his best players. He hit Devontae Adams seven times for 153 yards and a couple scores. And he hit Darren Waller, who is now a New York Giant, by the way, three times for 72 yards and a score. Uh, It was a day where the Raiders gave the Niners a massive scare. And that was when Brock Purdy was still out there. And, And I thought, and a lot of people did, that the Niners were marching toward a Super Bowl. They, of course, flamed out in the Final Four thanks to injuries. But... It was really impressive what Stidham did that afternoon. There wasn't a drop-off from Derek Carr that day. No. And certainly that got people's attention to the point where there was some chatter that maybe the Raiders actually bring Stidham back as a bridge to a quarterback that they could draft, maybe not in round one, but round two or round three. But in the end, Josh McDaniels wanted his guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, there he is, and then Stidham moves on to Denver. It's an intriguing pickup because there is some upside there to him. Actually, if you rewind back a few years to when we were talking about the pre-draft process, about a year before he was drafted, there was some talk that Jerry Stidham could be a top five overall pick. Wow. Coming out I, of I did not know this. Yeah. Okay. There was some buzz about him that faded over the course of his final season at Auburn and led to him being a off the top of my head, I believe it was a fourth-round pick uh, when he went to New England. Yeah, it was a mid-rounder. Yeah. So, yeah. is that the, the khaki pants range, basically? I was going to say, that's where some people on this station like him, some people don't. And that's, uh, I think, where Bill Belichick likes him. He's got a pretty good history of QBs in the mid-rounds. Well, and uh, Sean Payton's history 
mostly it's with uh, with Drew Brees, of course. But Peyton, when he worked in Dallas, had an undrafted quarterback named Tony Romo that he developed. Oh, how'd that work out? Coordinator. It worked. It worked out well for the Cowboys. By the time Romo got in the lineup, Sean Payton had taken the New Orleans job. Right. They were eternally grateful in uh, Dallas. It's one reason why Jerry Jones still thinks very highly of Sean Payton to this day is his work with Tony Romo to develop. And I was going to say, I don't say that in jest because yes, we can all make fun of Tony's playoff failures, but Tony was a very good quarterback for. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a very long time in the NFL, but a chunk of time in the NFL. Tony Robo was a, a good quarterback. A good decade that he had, or a little under a decade. Yeah. No, he was good for yeah. for years and years, and he was good on TV for a couple years, too. That uh, that experiment has uh, not aged so well. But Was that inter- that quote-unquote intervention, was that confirmed to have actually happened, or was that uh, just a rumor? A lot of denials going on there, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. have shocked anyone if it did happen. That's kind of how... Interventions go, right? Broadcasting intervention. Man, I never heard of that before. All right, coming up next, we talked about the offensive free agents. Let's focus on the defense. Bringing back Alex Singleton, uh, signing Zach Allen. But what else can they do? We'll tell you next. Denver Sports Station 104. The Land presents Denver Sports Tonight. much fun to be joined by Andrew Mason tonight, the last half hour of the show. I'm Will Peterson on Denver Sports. Tonight, Mace, the Broncos make a couple of moves on the defense. Obviously, Zach Allen, the headline stealer, grabber. You had a great article yesterday when he signed at denversports.com where you pointed out not only did he have the second best run stuffing rate to some guy named Aaron Donald last year. That's pretty good. But also, he ranked higher in some metrics than Draymond Jones, significantly higher. What do you make of the Allen signing and sort of his ceiling as a defender in this league? The Broncos gave him money like they think he can be a a perennial pro bowler. Well, last year, pretty comparable in in some metrics, including the one I pointed out uh, where he actually he had one QB hit, hit or sack every 21 pass rush snaps, and Draymond was one every 35 last year. That's a significant difference. Exactly. And so he get their pressure rates are similar, but in terms of contacting the quarterback, Allen did a bit better. So that season looked like the last three years of Draymond Jones. With Zach Allen, the previous two seasons didn't look like that, and he didn't play all that much as a rookie. So... If you have kind of a caveat emptor, buyer beware thing here, it's was Zach Allen just balling out in a contract here? Mm. That is one thing that is a concern. He's got to back it up. At least with Draymond Jones, there's been pretty consistent production the last three years, certainly, and even in his rookie season as well. Not the same with Zach Allen. It took Allen a while to get going. Uh, If we've been talking about Zach Allen a year ago, I think he gets a contract, a very much a prove-it type of contract, two years, $10 million, six guaranteed. He made himself a lot of money this past year. Yeah, Zach Allen wasn't a household name or on anyone's radar. Um, he's still quite not yet. I mean, he certainly wasn't J.J. Watt, who a guy he played alongside in Arizona. But to fill a need for the Broncos on the day they let Draymond Jones leave for Seattle, it does feel like with Allen there is there's a ceiling there mm-hmm. that – Maybe he just started to scratch. That's the glass half full. You know, yeah, he played well last year in a contract year, but maybe something really clicked for the guy last year, first time in his career. Not only can I play in this league, I can dominate in this league. Yeah, and this is going to be certainly on Vance Joseph, positively or negatively. 
because VJ obviously coached him in Arizona. I don't think he's coming to Denver without VJ giving the seal of approval. And so it's kind of interesting here because you're going with uh, the new guy coming into Denver rather than the guy that everyone in the locker room knew. But it was interesting to hear, you know, what was what you guys were mentioning about George Payton. Yeah. And the kind of advice he gave to Sean Payton. Right. You wonder what George Payton said about Draymond Jones. Mm. Now, Payton, George Payton publicly said that the things were, you know, conversations were going well with Draymond Jones' agent, Kyle McCarthy, even though we had every indication at that point that, that Draymond was going to test the market. Yes. But, um, yeah, it's, you wonder if just how things went and, uh, you know, maybe the, the frustration that Draymond Jones felt as a result of not getting the, contra- the contract at some point last season, if that led to uh, maybe George Payton telling Sean Payton, yeah, maybe we need to kind of move on a little bit. Certainly, the other thing that I think is really interesting here is this. Um, you exchange Draymond Jones for Zach Allen. Yep. Um, I'm not sure it's an upgrade. It's probably It's probably a little bit of a wash. You're hoping Zach Allen can be better than Draymond Jones, but right now it's a push, basically. Okay. Their values are very similar. Zach did get, I believe, two and a half million more guaranteed for what it's worth. Right. Yeah. There's more, I think, uh, but Draymond can make more over the length of the contract. He can, yeah, but I'm talking about weird, we, weird, weird thing. But again, the Broncos have a lot of cash, and cash is king. So you had an upgraded backup quarterback. You had an upgraded guard moving on from, from Dalton Reisner, of course. But the overarching sense I get is that this was an opportunity to get some new blood into the locker room mm. after the losing of the last few years. Alex Singleton is the only guy that, of the unrestricted free agents that you've brought back. Like at running back, for example, it would have been easy for the Broncos to just restructure Chase Edmonds, give him $2 million guaranteed for the year, uh, and a chance to earn a little bit more in incentives and bring him back. That could have been done pretty reasonably. But they decided, no, they'd rather have Samaj P. Ryan, right? They could have brought back Eric Tomlinson for another year as a blocking tight end. No, we'd rather have Chris Manhurts. I feel like Sean Payton is using this as an opportunity to just have a transfusion mm-hmm. of people who weren't, I hate to say tainted, but didn't endure what's gone on. A chance to kind of bring in, bring in some new blood and freshen things up a little bit, attitude-wise. And George Payton could have been Sean Payton's, as I was mentioning to James Marilat earlier in the show. Not his spy, that's probably too strong a word, but a word we use in this industry, his birdie, right? Yeah. George Payton could be the one who's kind of getting in Sean Payton's here of, hey, Alex Singleton, yeah, that's a guy we want to keep. Draymond Jones, not so sure on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, real quick though, let's get your thoughts on Singleton because three years, eighteen million, first paid in his career. They also bring back Jonas Griffith on a tender yesterday, a little less than a million bucks. Do you kind of feel like this middle linebacker core is set once again with some combo of Griffith, Jewel, and Singleton? Yeah, I mean, you may draft a developmental guy as you get into day three, but realistically, that's your trio. Josie Jewel. It's weird, but you kind of have to count on him missing two or three games. He seems to have an injury pop up most years. So it's good to have Jonas Griffith back because you know he can step in and start and play play for you. So from that three, you should have a, a duo that's pretty solid. You'd like a little more in coverage than than those three have. 
but they're going to be able to make some plays, bring some thump going downhill. And certainly Alex Singleton, uh, um, yes, a lot of his tackles are from behind, but he also keeps a lot of plays from being a lot worse. Addressing James Merrill out there at the end. His old, uh, oh, I've never seen a guy make so many tackles seven yards downfield theory. That's what he likes to say about Singleton. And that, and the thing is, that's why tackle totals I don't really go nuts on. Um, it's it's interesting to note, but it's not a statistic that you can really put a lot of stock in. But there were a lot of plays where he limited the damage. All right. And that is, that is a skill, too, is making sure that a – it's just a 10-yard gain and not a 20-yard gain. Sometimes you need that. All right. Well, we're glad to have Mace back in town. We'll talk more to him throughout the week and tomorrow night. For KJ and Ty, for Mace, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.